Welcome to the In the Oil Patch radio show, broadcasting from the SR Trident studio. SR Trident, where safety is a culture, not just a word. In the Oil Patch radio show with Kimball Auto is where you will hear the latest in the oil, gas, and energy industry from a wide variety of industry experts, elected officials, and more, right here on In the Oil Patch radio show. And welcome to In the Oil Patch radio show. This is our live show, so we encourage our listeners to call in and ask David and Jason Modulin, who's our guest today, the president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, questions that you might have, things that are affecting us all in the way of uh, energy prices, why are we paying so much at the pump, why are we paying so much at the grocery stores, um, or the grocery store, anything is up on the table, so we'd like to encourage you to call in. The phone number to call is 210-308-8867, or the toll-free number, which is 866 866- 308-8867. Or you can email us your questions. We are checking them. Kim at shellmag.com and it'll come straight to me. Before I do bring on David, uh, the editor of Shell Magazine, and Jason, the president of Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, I'd like to tell you about our latest issue of Shell Magazine in which we featured Nick Dulles, who is the president and CEO of CNX Resources. Um, it's a story that you definitely want to read. It, it, it's affecting the Appalachian uh, Basin, and it's a great company in reference to understanding that they are truly doing things right. They have over 4,400 wells and over a million acres uh, that they can drill on, so they're doing great things. And so I encourage you to look up the story, David's story, go to shellmag.com. Again, that is shellmag.com. And for all of our Shell Magazine uh, releases and, of course, the latest shows on In the Oil Patch, we encourage you to go to shellmag.com or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, so you can look up all the latest shows and, of course, keep up with the latest issue of Shell Magazine. And now I would like to welcome on my co-host, David Blackman, as well as Jason Modulin, the president of Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. Guys, welcome to this holiday show. Hey. Hello, David. Hi, David. Long time no hear from. We have (laughs) actually pushed back one of our live shows because we've all been really busy traveling, I think, trying to get back on track from a post-COVID a world that we live in now. And I, and I do want to recognize before we start jumping into questions, because we have received a lot of questions online, I would just like to welcome, uh, you know, tell our listeners that this is a holiday uh, and happy Memorial Day. But I do want us to remember that this holiday is a very special holiday because of all the men and women who served our country and their families making the ultimate sacrifice for us to enjoy this holiday. So while we are drinking super icy iced tea and hot dogs and hamburgers, we should also remember the men and women that served our country so we can enjoy this wonderful holiday. Right? Absolutely. Beautifully okay. said. Thank you, Kim. Well, guys, we have a lot going on. <laughs> um, and I really don't know where to begin, but I do uh, want to wait for some callers to jump on the line. Again, the phone number is 210-308-8867. Um, but let's talk a little bit about uh, Texas energy. Um There's a lot going on, uh, despite a lot of complaints coming out from D.C. about the industry supposedly uh, not growing production fast enough. Uh, It actually is growing, or isn't it? And and what are some of the the problems of why we're not growing as fast? Let me ask uh, Jason first, and then David, you go ahead and, and, and jump on in here. 
Well, thank you, Kim. And it has been kind of an avalanche of talking points coming out of Washington, D.C., uh, uh, really focused uh, broadsides on the oil and gas industry as a whole. Um, but here in Texas, we are working as fast as we can to do our part. Um, Texas is back up to record production levels, will be back up to record production levels this year. Uh, so that's eclipsing 2019 and, and the, the production records that were set in the 1970s. Uh, just this last Friday, Inveris reported 358 rigs in Texas. That, that's up from the previous week. Um, and so we're approaching nearly half of total U.S. production. And really, there's some phenomenal basins in Texas, the Permian Basin and the Haynesville uh, that, that are going to that are already at their production levels, uh, record production levels. And, and but unfortunately, we see a lag in the rest of the country. Um, and I think there's a variety of factors for that. Um, but chief among them is, is is the active undermining of oil and gas production and investments uh, by activists intent on shutting down domestic production. Um, they want to make us more dependent upon OPEC uh, and ultimately more dependent upon uh, alternative sources of energy. David, I um, want to get your opinion as well, because you, you and I, we talk a lot, especially on the Energy Minutes, that thank you guys for producing for, because uh, they're syndicated through our radio stations that we air on during the week to help listeners understand just a, a brief snapshot of what's happening in the energy sector. But a lot of the talking points that you both talk about is the lack of help at, at a D.C. level, especially from the Biden administration themselves. Yeah. David, as we listen to the show today, our listeners live, and they're maybe having to curtail their vacation uh, weekend or holiday weekend, if you will. Um, what do you say to them as to why, Jason, you just mentioned Texas is booming, blowing and going, but yet no one's feeling it anywhere. So what are some of the problems that we're experiencing and why it's just not working the way you yeah. think it would work? Well, you know, we we have uh, a lot of impediments uh, coming from the government uh, in Washington, of course, in terms of not permitting pipelines, which is really negatively impacting the ability to grow production of natural gas in the Marcellus region, um, because, you know, uh, they, they need to be able to build interstate pipelines, take that production up to the New England states where they're still burning coal and fuel oil for their electricity and uh, into the southeastern part of the United States where they have similar issues going on. Um, and unfortunately, this administration has, you know, been uh, it, allowing itself really to be held hostage by the, the radical environmentalist lobby and um, who oppose pipelines. And, and so we, we have that issue. The administration uh, still refuses to hold any federal lease sales. They they give a lot of lip service to it, but they obviously have no intention of holding federal lease sales. And, and so we we see production stagnating in big oil and gas producing states like New Mexico, Colorado, uh, Wyoming, uh, Montana, Utah, uh, that have a lot of federal lands in them. And, um, you know, so I, this administration uh, talks out of both sides of its mouth that uh, one day you'll see Secretary Granholm say, well, the oil industry needs to produce more. And then the next day you'll see the Department of Interior cancel another lease sale. And, and so this is what we have. It's what we're faced with for another two and a half years. 
And frankly, you know, here's another really interesting thing if we have time before the break. Sure. California, the state of California has over 2 billion barrels of, of oil reserves underneath the ground in California. But instead of allowing the industry to produce that oil in California, uh, the state of California is currently consuming 50% of the oil produced in the Brazilian rainforests and the Colombian rainforests. You, you see all these complaints about rainforest land going away. Well, part of it is because they're in there drilling oil wells to produce oil to export the state to the state of California, which won't drill for its own oil. So, you know, th this is the kind of insanity, frankly, uh, that we have happening in this country from an energy policy perspective. And, you know, until, until we have some more elections and hopefully people change their voting habits, that's uh, the kind of insanity we're going to continue to have. And Jason, before we go to break, I, I, I want to just piggyback on what David had said about, okay, so that's California. And China has announced that they have plans for 169 new and expanding coal projects, uh, coal projects, excuse me, uh, that they're going to be producing, which is probably one of the more dirtier fuels out there. And, and it just kind of jeopardizes the whole discussion on are we going to make a real climate change change? Because Biden said the other day that um, this is just par for the course that energy prices, of course, oil and gas are going to go up as we try to pivot to these other uh, fuels that they seem to like a lot. But it, it doesn't make sense what David is saying. If you have other countries, and we all live on one planet, that are not doing uh, what they need to be doing, and, and you've got the rainforest being destroyed for our, for people in California, it, it seems loon like crazy discussions here how do you how does the energy industry deal with back and forth and discussions that don't make sense at all well i think they put their head down and keep working um but uh, yeah if you're an environmentalist why wouldn't you pretty be pretty upset with the state of california for tearing down rainforest importing oil from south america having tankers idle off the coast of california that um uh, you know, are burning heavier maritime diesel and, and uh, dragging um, anchors and pulling up pipelines out there. I mean, you, your, your natural reaction should be to buy local, produce mm -hmm. it local. Um, that, that's kind of the solution that uh, producers have found here. Certainly producers in Kern County in California have the ability to produce that oil there. Uh, unfortunately, they're, they're being hampered from doing that, um, and it doesn't quite make any sense. Um, but It, it uh, makes that, no that, sense. <laughs> that's Not, where we're at with yeah. these higher prices is that that, um, that activity has been constrained. Uh, it, it makes uh, uh, no benefit to the environment and, in fact, probably makes it worse uh, by importing it from other countries. Uh, or being more reliant. Uh, and then yeah. not being able to get China off of coal um, is a disaster. And that should um, be yes. that should be front page news, their plans, but instead it's not. Uh, let's take a break. When we come back though, Jason, I wanna see how your members are dealing with making decisions to continue to grow in this current environment. And David, like you said, we've still got another two and a half years of this insanity before we start seeing the light of day. You're listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back.
The Texas Alliance of Energy Producers has a rich and commanding history of fighting for the independent oil and gas industry. The Texas Alliance became a statewide organization in 2000 with the merger of two of the oldest oil and gas associations in the nation, the North Texas Oil and Gas Association and the West Central Texas Oil and Gas Association. Today, with more than 2,600 members, the Texas Alliance is the largest statewide association in the country serving independent energy producers and associated industries. Through our efforts in Washington, D.C., and Austin, the Texas Alliance is focused on a better business climate for you. The Texas Alliance has a staff consisting of highly experienced senior staff and supporting consultants serving our membership. Offices are located in Austin and Wichita Falls. Become a member today by visiting texasalliance.org or email us texasalliance at texasalliance.org. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. It's our live show. And I'm being joined by my co-host, David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine, as well as the president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, excuse me, Jason Modulin. If you'd like to join in on today's discussion, we're talking everything oil and gas, you can call 210-308-8867. Jason, I did want to ask you about your producers, but we do have a caller on the line. We're going to grab him first, and then we'll come back and see how have your your you know, your company's been responding to so much uh, back and forth between what's happening, the reality, and what's coming out of D.C. Um, Paul, San Antonio, welcome to End the Oil Patch Radio Show. What is your question for the guys? Yes, thank you. Uh, my question is, how have sanctions affected Russia's oil and gas revenue? Um, so how has oil and gas affected Russia's revenue? Yeah, have the sanctions. Uh, well, you know, Russia's uh, oil and gas revenue is actually up since they uh, invaded Ukraine because uh, Europe can't do without Russia's oil and gas. And Russia, I mean, Europe, the European countries had allowed themselves to become uh, incredibly dependent on Russia, unfortunately, for oil and gas supplies. And prices are so high that uh, Russia's uh, actual daily income from oil and gas exports has, has actually grown since this invasion, which is just a travesty and uh, speaks to how insecure the whole European continent was where energy is concerned. I, Jason, if you have... Well, let me let me read another question because it's kind of uh, piggybacking on on uh, on, on uh, Paul's question. But it's all, um, although the U.S. has stopped buying Russian oil, the challenge remains that Russia is one of the largest global producers and exporters of oil, and there's really no way of completely removing uh, the purchasing of Russian oil. And if anything, it has the potential of sending the market to over two hundred dollars a barrel. So I want to see if you guys agree with that. Further, um, as the prices go higher. The appeal to purchase Russian oil from countries like China and India, they have tremendous incentives to want to buy the discounted Russian oil. So that's a great question, too. Now that we've put that all together, Jason, tell me what your thoughts are. And David, we can come back to you because this this yeah. is kind of another complicated, it's a catch-22. You're going to get, you know, there's really no simple answer. That's right. Um, I, I think a lot of that Russian crude and gas um, is going east uh, to, to meet the needs there. Uh, really, so 
very little was coming to the United States um, in, in terms of uh, crude. Uh, certainly, we had LNG shipments in the past. I mean, uh, New York uh, being a great example, their their inability uh, to get it from the Marcellus because they have stopped pipelines. Uh, they've had to turn to Russia a couple times and and take imported LNG from Russia, but. Um, uh, to David's point, I mean, unfortunately, they are making a lot more money right now because prices are high and they still have the ability to get it to market, just not to um, uh, some of the Western countries that are starting to, to block it. Um, and we've seen some very big companies, Shell, BP, Halliburton, um, basically engage in fire sales to get out of Russia as quickly as possible. Um, and, and that's resulted in, in quite a quite a loss uh, to those companies uh, in order to just cut their losses and, and, and get out. Um, uh, so unfortunately, Russia is doing quite well right now. So yeah, yeah and, and you know, Kim, the, the, the emailer uh, made a really good point about uh, the potential for all of these sanctions and the disappearance of a small portion or not a fairly significant portion actually of Russia's oil from the global market causing prices to go up. I mean, we could, JP Morgan is anticipating $150 a barrel oil prices by the end of summer. Some have said it could go even higher than that. Uh, I frankly think it will go higher than that and we'll see 150 uh, sooner than JP Morgan even thinks. And uh, it's very unfortunate. It's, it's uh, it, all of this is, I mean, I, I don't, think we should criticize governments for putting sanctions on Russia. But the reality is uh, consumers in the United States and the rest of the world are paying the price for them. And Vladimir Putin really is not. And it, yeah. it, well, I, I, I go a little different tack, David. I mean, I, I think the IEA has basically just abandoned the field in terms of yeah. the, the energy leadership that it used to uh, uh, project. Certainly the United States used to project some energy leadership as well. Um, and that's just gone. I mean, the, yeah. this idea that we are going to have a, a transition and do it as painful as possible uh, seems to be the, the only solution that environmentalists and, and the administration are proposing. Um, uh, that we don't have air conditioning, that we don't, we're not able to move our cars uh, on certain days of the week. I mean, that that's that's what they're proposing with some of these high prices uh, and some of the, the scarcity that we're seeing. Um, and the solution is to, to generate more. Um, and certainly wind and solar can be a part of that, but, but we need base load power. Uh, we need fuels uh, and that means oil and gas, that means coal. Uh, some of our other technologies that we've got out there. And, you know, guys, before we go to break, it seems as though we just came out of COVID and it was basically the government telling us what we needed to do. And it almost appears as though now energy is going to be the new uh, crisis that we're going to deal with um, as well in not being able to live the lives that we're normally used to living because the cost of energy is so expensive and it expands off of everything else or it expands to everything else, if you will. 
And unfortunately, I think that the people who suffer the most as a result of these high prices are, of course, the indigent and the poor. When we get back from break, I still have it on my list to do, Jason. How are your members being affected? But David, I'd also like to talk about the average consumer and what are they feeling at the pump? If we get to those prices, what kind of gas prices are we looking at as well? We have to take a quick break. You're listening to on the Wall Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Attention all oil and gas professionals. Don't miss Odessa's biggest oil and gas career fair, Thursday, June 9th, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at the MCM Fund Dome 6201 East Business 120. At the career fair, you'll meet with hiring managers from companies such as Profrac, Plains All-American, Drilling Tools International, and much more. There'll be face-to-face interviews for hundreds of positions, including CDL drivers, technicians, machinists, operators, skilled trades, engineering, and many more. Don't miss this exciting career event and attend the Oil & Gas Career Fair at MCM Fundome 6201 East Business 120, Thursday, June the 9th, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Pre-register at SuperiorCareerFairs.com. That's SuperiorCareerFairs.com. Admission is free, and all participants are EEO. And we're back. You're listening to the Wall Patch Radio Show. If you'd like to join in on our live show and talk to Jason Modulin, the president of Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, or David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine, please call 210-308-8867. Guys, before the break, this is a short segment, so I want to try to get to more questions. Um, Jason, we're still trying to figure out, there's so much going on in energy. Um, And you have a very robust membership of operators and service companies that focus more on independent type producers. Tell us a little bit about how your members are grappling with such uncertainty in oil and gas, and do you see a trend in any way? Yeah, so normally with these high prices, you'd have operators of all sizes, large and small, really try to to, to get in front of this and, and produce as much as they can in order to capture these high prices. Uh, unfortunately, we've seen the, the very large publicly traded companies uh, uh, project very modest growth for this year, five to ten percent, uh, really to uh, make sure that they're 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 shoring up their books, uh, uh, returning some value back to shareholders. Uh, on the private side, uh, it's it's uh, a great time to produce oil and and drill new wells. Uh, we have seen some constraints across the board from really supply chain issues have been kind of the main uh, limitate limiting factor. And, and I'd say that there's a couple different um, areas. So if you kind of break it into two categories, there's operators, what's within their control and then what's outside of that. And, and so labor is by far one of the largest challenges. Part of that, the pipeline of employees is, is smaller than it once was. Uh, but operators are able to pay higher wages and bonuses and, and, and attract new people into the field. And so that's uh, slowly uh, being being taken care of. Same with trucking, frac sand. Uh, it, it's tight, but but it's manageable with kind of higher prices. Outside their control, that, that's chiefly oil country tubular goods. So OCTG, 
which makes up the casing and tubing necessary to drill a modern oil and gas well. And we don't make enough of it domestically uh, and imports are limited in a few different ways. Um, uh, tariffs, quotas on the amount coming from one country or trading zone, and then a pretty cumbersome review process to prevent dumping by foreign governments. Um, change might be coming in that space. Uh, both Congress and the administration recognize that steel availability is hampering the infrastructure package, uh, parts of the president's wind and solar goals, uh, and it's certainly limiting uh, domestic oil and gas production. So. Um, uh, slowly, uh, we see some responses from, from the federal government. Um, uh, one in particular, this next month, we're going to have a shipment of Ukrainian uh, steel pipe coming into the port of Houston, uh, one of the last shipments to get out before Russia uh, um, uh, took over that, that steel plant in Mariupol, um, uh, is, is coming to Houston to, to drill wells. So that, that's fantastic, but um, it's not enough. It's, yeah. David, um, we're going to go to break, but when we get back, uh, another uh, question that came in from uh, one of our followers was basically talking about Lindsey Graham stating that, um, uh, you know, what's coming out of D.C., I want to go back to the higher gas prices, and some of the Republican Party now are really talking the truth about how this is a forced gas hike coming out of the administration and how um, it's basically, you know, it's irresponsibly shutting down the oil and gas industry. So I want to get your opinion as well as Jason on, do you think that the energy industry is making enough of an effort to get the word out that this is, a lot of it is being, uh, the government is getting into picking winners and losers and the losers are going to be the oil and gas industry. And then of course, ultimately, the American people, because we're paying so much higher uh, at the gas price. I mean, I'm sorry, at the pump. But I do want to get you guys' opinion on why is this happening? um, And do you see any of these Republican Party really going to task and and calling them out and and really getting uh, on the end? Jason, also, are any of the associations, because y'all are a lobbying group, are you all doing anything to continue to further this message that this is a lot of this is being done at the Biden administration's feet. Um, We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Remember this name, oil field experts, to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oil field equipment needs. Oilfield Expert's specialty is those hard-to-find oilfield parts for your fleet maintenance needs, and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us for the right part right now. Write down this number, Oilfield Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923, and visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com. And 
we're back. You're listening to on the Old Patch Radio Show. This is our live show in which we encourage our listeners to call in, speak to the editor of Shell Magazine, David Blackman, and the president of Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, uh, Jason Modulin. You can call 210-308-8867 if you have a question on oil, gas, or energy. Um, Guys, before the break, um, I wanted to get your opinion. Stan Corpus Christi sent us an email asking, there was an article that came out in the Epic Times, and it says, uh, Senator Lindsey Graham said it is responsible. It is irresponsible, excuse me, for shutting down oil and gas production in America, and it's destroying the American economy. I do agree with that. Uh, Senator Lindsey Graham said that President Biden is raising gas prices on purpose to get away from fossil fuels. Um, your opinion? Yeah. Your opinion on that? I mean, I know we we see that, but yeah, I, well. I agree, Kim. But um, uh, is he getting us away from food too? I mean, uh, uh, diesel prices are up over five dollars a gallon. Everything that's delivered to a grocery store is delivered by a diesel truck. Um, <laughs> those those Rivian trucks are not on the market. Uh, no, not. So, uh, it, you know, if he wants grocery stores to have food in them, uh, shelves stocked uh, uh, this year. Um, uh, it, it, it takes a truck to move it. Um, and then on the other side, it takes petrochemicals to, to really power modern life, uh, whether it's the plastics, whether it's the feedstocks, um, the fertilizers w- that we're gonna need for planting season. Um, all of that comes from oil and natural gas. And so um, uh, all, all that all these policies are doing, uh, yes, it's, it, it's harming domestic oil and gas producers, but it's just shifting where American consumers are going to get it from. Um, and that means higher prices and they're going to import it from overseas. And so the, the idea that you're doing anything for the environment is laughable. We talked about that in the last segment um, uh, as you're importing from other countries that have poor environmental records that are bulldozing the rainforest. Um, uh, not, none of that um, it really pans out. Uh, this is just about harming domestic producers uh, and becoming more dependent upon overseas energy. Correct. Yeah, uh, and and I got to say, I mean, I'm glad Senator Graham is finally saying that. I've been writing. I mean, I've been warning people about the Biden agenda since the campaign. I also often feel like I'm just uh, uh, talking to myself. You know, um, it, it, it just it, people just don't listen until it's too late. I. You know, it's been obvious. I mean, the, the, if you pay attention to what they say, the people in the, the climate alarm movement uh, make their agenda very clear. Uh, they've been talking about the need for population reduction, the need to dramatically drive up uh, the costs of fossil energy so that wind and solar electric vehicles become uh, more competitive in the marketplace, doing these things intentionally. They are the leading funders of the Democratic Party now. Uh, and those three industries I just ticked off are the client industries of the Democratic Party now. And so obviously that's the agenda of the Biden administration. These are the people that fund their campaigns. This is this, this is not complicated, folks. All you have to do is pay attention. But I'm glad Senator Graham, finally, 16 months into this administration, is is brave enough to tell the truth about what it's doing. That's good. Well, you know, I think that it is starting to hit home because um, a lot of times, whether I'm in an Uber or a Lyft, and these are the people who are hitting, being hit the hardest, 
um, going to a grocery store and they're looking at those prices and these are their voter pool and they are very upset and they're understanding this is what you elected. So, uh, well, I hope so. And the red <laughs> man with the mean tweets looks pretty good right now. Let's switch gears and talk about um, the U.S. natural gas price rose above $9 per MMBTU this week, falling back slightly. What is, uh, how are the utility bills going to be affected, uh, David and Jason? And can the consumer depend on mm. any uh, price relief, especially in the summer? <laughs> I think I already um, <laughs> Unfortunately, no. I mean, uh, first, let me put a kind of global context on that. $9 yeah. in MMBTU is is a low price for natural gas. Uh, if you go to Europe, uh, it's a double. If, you, if you're in uh, uh, Asia, it's, it's triple that price. Um, but what we're used to is uh, under $2 uh, or, or nearly zero uh, for the price of natural gas here in the United States. Uh, what it's going to mean this summer, look, we're going to have a hot, dry summer. Uh, California has already seen um, some of its hydropower uh, start to, to be diminished uh, this summer. We have a minimal amount of hydropower here in, in, in Texas uh, that, that could potentially be affected. But these high commodity prices uh, will affect the electricity side of the equation and utilities. Um, uh, it, it's interesting monitoring the Public Utility Commission. Uh, the actions that they've taken are certainly leading to higher than average bills, um, but they're hoping that that avoids price spikes and potentially brownouts and blackouts this summer. Um, uh, we'll see how it kind of pans out. Uh, unfortunately, uh, David, as you've written about regularly uh, now for several years, uh, we're not adding new generation capacity. So the ability to burn natural gas, burn coal uh, it, it is just not there. Um, and unfortunately, those coal plants are starting to to shut down and get to the end of yeah. their lifespan. And then we're seeing other parts of the country where they're shutting down nuclear plants, uh, making it even more challenging uh, to keep the power on. Um, and, and nearly every uh, zone in the United States is facing potential outages this summer uh, from a lack of baseload power entirely dependent upon the wind blowing and the sun shining. And when that doesn't happen, um, they have they have brownouts and blackouts. And David, I, we're going to go to break, but I'm going to ha have you come back and, and discuss that because I think, it, Jason, what you're saying is we're experiencing problems all over the United States. And there just doesn't seem to be enough of anything, and prices are completely skyrocketing everywhere in every part of our lives. And we know that um, when we have this situation, of course, the elder, elderly and indigent are going to be the most affected. But it's, there has to be something that these elected officials can do. So I want to get on that. But then also, David, I do want you to talk about the price of uh, natural gas and how it, the, the lack of baseload capacity did it. Did it get uh, fixed here in Texas uh, with the legislators this past session? We've got to take a quick break. You're listening to in the Old Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back.
The Texas Alliance of Energy Producers has a rich and commanding history of fighting for the independent oil and gas industry. The Texas Alliance became a statewide organization in 2000 with the merger of two of the oldest oil and gas associations in the nation, the North Texas Oil and Gas Association and the West Central Texas Oil and Gas Association. Today, with more than 2,600 members, the Texas Alliance is the largest statewide association in the country serving independent energy producers and associated industries. Through our efforts in Washington, D.C., and Austin, the Texas Alliance is focused on a better business climate for you. The Texas Alliance has a staff consisting of highly experienced senior staff and supporting consultants serving our membership. Offices are located in Austin and Wichita Falls. Become a member today by visiting texasalliance.org or email us texasalliance at texasalliance.org. And we're back. My guest today is Jason Modulin, the president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, and my co-host, David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine. Um, David, before the break, uh, Jason was discussing uh, all the issues <laughs> that we're dealing with all over the United States. I wanted to get your opinion because uh, the Texas legislators have now you know, closed, they'll open again in another year from now. Base load capacity was not really addressed. And earlier no, in the show... Not. Right, and I want to talk about that, and, and Jason, your opinion as well. But also, you discussed that it could go uh, the price of, of of a barrel of, of crude going over two hundred, maybe one fifty, which is what uh, Goldman Sachs was suggesting. What is the consumer going to feel when we get to those prices? What kind of price are they going to be looking at paying at the pump? Because this is the doom and gloom show today. I feel like, yeah. <laughs> but well, there's no other way of saying it. But truthfully, not a lot of good news, unfortunately. yeah, and uh, um, and maybe they can prepare for what's coming. But so, yeah. base load capacity. Let's start with that. Well, they, no, the legislature did nothing. What is baseload uh, capacity? Let's start. Well, baseload right. capacity is reliable electricity, basically, and that's. That is uh, power plants that run 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They're powered by natural gas, coal, and nuclear power. And we need more. Uh, and we need more of them. We haven't built, uh, we haven't added net baseload capacity in our state uh, in over 11 years now. Uh, and, and during that time, our population has increased by 30% and our economy has grown by 50%. And we somehow think we can fill the void with wind and solar that, if we're lucky, provide significant amounts of electricity for four hours a day, if we're lucky, if the weather conditions are right. And uh, this has been an intentional, intentional policy by the state government of Texas. This has not been an accident. Hasn't been market forces. I mean, market forces obviously have played a role. But our, our state officials have intentionally allowed wind and solar to begin to overwhelm our grid exactly as has happened in Europe and led to the major energy crisis Europe is facing and in California, and California. which has led to California having a third world quality power grid. Right. And, and we're moving in the same direction here in Texas. And I don't know what it's going to take to get Governor Abbott and the PUC and the people at ERCOT to be honest with the people in Texas and, and quit pretending they can treat wind and solar power as, as baseload, they can't. And, and I guess I'll shut up about that now and let, uh, let Jason, um, you know. Well, I mean, I, 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 I agree, David, I, 
I guess the, what they uh, didn't quite broach with the legislature, and, and really this is part of the Public Utility Commission's phase two conversation, is do we move away from an energy only market um, and towards one that, that really pays for uh, that base load and that reliability factor? Um, uh, our, our base load, if you will, has, has been interrupted uh, by the amount of wind and solar that, that is on the grid. Mm-hmm. And, and that results in idling these plants. Um, and, and so that, that, that's been the challenge, uh, that there's just simply not the return coming back to these plants. Um, and as regulation has only increased, environmental regulation, they have to invest in, in, in new scrubbers and new technology, um, but simply don't have the ability to sell electricity because they cost more um, than wind and solar, which is propped up by the federal government. Um, right. And so that's that's been the challenge um, and finding ways to get those uh, natural gas peaker plants online and in reserve. Um, uh, it's it's phenomenal when prices are high, but, but that is a few times a year. And so how do you spend millions of dollars uh, on the off chance that uh, you'll be able to, to recapture that? And so that's... Right that's been the limiting factor is we haven't seen that level of investment. Um, and, and a lot of that is on, on the public utility commission, really deciding which direction they're going to move. Uh, they're, they're discussing about three different plans right now on, on uh, various levels of, of its benefit. Um, and we'll see ultimately kind of where it shakes out. Uh, but Kim, I think we'll probably be back in the legislative session uh, in January before any of that is really adopted. Well, let's let's switch gears because we're getting down to our last few minutes of the show. Uh, price of barrel goes to 150 or 200. What is the price at the pump? Well, $150 uh, oil will be $6 gasoline and higher in texas um and i think that's really kind of our low price scenario really for the next three months okay right in time for summer the rumors that uh joe manchin has been negotiating with chuck schumer uh, to revive the build back better bill is that likely going to happen jason uh we shall see um uh i've been in dc twice this last month um and and that was uh what what the talk was around town is that uh, mansion has worked out a deal particularly on um uh, some methane regulation uh but then also an extension of the child tax credit and some medicaid uh, uh drug um benefits um uh they have until september 30th to pass anything under the existing reconciliation rules so that means only 50 votes plus the vice president uh to get something done but again this is all behind closed doors no one really knows until it sees the light of day what what has emerged though some of these rumors they, they don't sound very plausible. Um, either the uh, the squad in the house and, and kind of the far left, uh, they'll split off um, or, or you'll have various groups say, there's no way that I can support these packages. And so that, that has a lot of people saying, well, maybe this effort is just to run out the clock. And and maybe that's the ultimate play, but um, they've got um, uh, about four more months. So we'll see where it where it ends up. And I wonder if any of the Republicans are familiar with this, because we had a chance to sit down with Congressman Cloud last week, 
and um, he didn't really seem to be very familiar with like mm, no this is a pretty small uh fraternity of folks in the senate um uh really only two or three on each side uh and mansion holds a lot of the cards um uh and, and so we'll see if there's any opportunity to get to move forward what the Democrats are trying to push. Um, otherwise, it's what uh, he's consistently said, which is inflation is too high mm-hmm. uh, and the federal government's spending too much money um, and it's resulting and in, in, in the these truth. pressures across the board. Jason, before we leave, tell us you guys have an upcoming conference in Fort Worth, which we do plan on attending. Uh, when is it? Yeah, it's September 14th and 15th. Uh, lots of information is available on our website. We announced uh, about two weeks ago, our, our keynote speaker is Alex Epstein, yep. who just came out with a new book, Fossil Future, I guess uh, uh, just about five days ago. Uh, and I'm, I'm nearly done. It is a, a massive work, uh, over 400 pages. Uh, as you may remember, he was the author of the moral case for, for fossil, fossil fuels. fuels. Yeah. Um, and and that great. was that was kind of a look back, a right. defense of, yeah. of what we've done uh, to utilize fossil fuels. But but this Very is good. really a forward look. So they can go to TexasAlliance.org and get the information. Thank you guys for joining us today. That's a wrap. Until next month when we have another live show. Thank you for listening to and the Oil Patch Radio Show. David, thank you for joining me today and being my co-host. The oil patch thank is you where very much. Together we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week your host Kim Bellotto will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.